we need to be hiring the best we can get and people who are leveraged entirely for the sake of the gospel. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Every Knee Shall Bow, your weekly Catholic podcast on evangelization. I am Mike Gomer-Gormley, and I am joined, as always, by my illustrious co-host, Dave, the HR man, Van Vickle. How you doing, Dave? <laughs> the HR man. No, I that that's good. I, I'm doing okay, but <laughs> but uh, I've never really gotten along with HR, so I've always gotten in trouble from them. But yeah, uh, so yeah, no, I'm, I'm doing good. I uh, The gym is almost done. Uh, I mean, it's I mean, it's done in the in the sense that I'm actively using it now and that's great, but it's also sad because I all my gains are gone and I feel like <laughs> yesterday after 30 minutes, I was like, Sam, I'm going to need you to help me up to the house. Uh, but uh, so that that's yeah, things are going well. The weather's getting nicer here. And uh, yeah, COVID is finally the grip of Pens- of the Pennsylvania governor has finally loosened on our throats and people are taking <laughs> their masks off and uh they're yeah so things are looking living up. in Texas living in Texas is such a weird yeah thing because I don't I don't know how bad the rest of the country has it and I get these glimpses cuz I positively refuse to listen to any news whatsoever so I have no clue what's going on in the rest of the world. Yeah. And uh, someone was like, yeah, man, they might take off the mask ban here in Rhode Island. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Like, yeah, they might let us wear masks or tell us that we don't have to wear masks most of the time outdoors. Right. I'm like, right. why are you wearing masks outdoors? Like, right. That, that was never a part of the Texas bargain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, people like you see people here jogging with masks on. Jogging. Can I tell you a yeah, I don't. I don't get that at all. Maybe they're doing those air compression masks or whatever they call it, <laughs> altitude training. Yeah, right. Um, you know the the most beautiful thing happened last Sunday at the six p.m. mass, and okay. I I was just so overjoyed. So um, this is a happy time of year for me because we got VBS coming up, yeah. right? And our church does a very big, beautiful VBS. Oh, I bet but they also, do. yeah, <laughs> but also we have um, uh, it's our feast day of our patron Saint Anthony. He's coming up. And so we pray this novena as a parish, and it's wonderful. But we had a guy who was our seminarian in residence, I think, three years ago. And he just got ordained to the priesthood. Okay. And he celebrated his first mass. And the coolest thing was, like, earlier that day was my daughter's birthday. So many good things. And uh, I take my daughter's, whenever the, whenever one of my kids has a birthday, daddy takes them out on a date to whatever restaurant they want, and then we get ice cream afterwards. Yeah. So I come back from Saltgrass Steakhouse and, uh, nice. and Marble Slab. Nice. Good choice. My son, yeah, yeah, all her. And my son runs to me and is like, Daddy, Daddy, did you hear the news? And I said, what? What's going on? He said, Houston just became a priest, and he's celebrating Mass tonight. Oh. And they were like so excited, yeah, right. and it was it, it's just one of those things where you see all cylinders firing, everything is just perfect, yeah, and we had our first right after that, we had our first youth ministry event in the youth room, which was a senior dinner to honor the seniors that are graduating. nice, and the room was full, not a mask in sight. <laughs> <laughs> we had slideshows going of the kids yeah and they they came up afterwards and they said michael that was the best senior honoring dinner we've ever had and i said well what makes it different from all the years previous yeah and they said you didn't make it a joke yeah like it was fun but everyone tries to make it like light-hearted right. you were like 
I'm going to read the scripture verses. We're going to make it like a prayer kind of thing. Yeah. And they were like, that was beautiful. And so I'm just, I'm, I'm on like cloud nine right now. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. Yeah. You're, by the way, if people want to know what Gomer's Parish is like, it's like if you've ever watched the show Parks and Rec- Recreation, your parish is the Eagleton of, of Parks and Recreation. <laughs> you're totally the Eagleton. Where I'm like, yeah, we have, we have a parks department. And you're like, just one parks department? You don't have... <laughs> 34 employees to do that 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 is so funny that is so funny or like, it kind of feels like that sometimes it absolutely does yeah yeah if you're like having an event at your parish i'm like uh, are you gonna have someone set up the chairs and you'll be like well no i'll i'll have this person have his person have his person <laughs> set up the chairs <laughs> yeah no the text they do it <laughs> oh. i've stacked enough chairs in my day that now <laughs> i get to manage and supervise <laughs> Uh, so this is funny. Speaking of which, this is our topic for today. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, because of COVID and the craziness that happened, I am now I'm no longer the coordinator of adult faith formation. I was bumped up to be a director so uh, a year and a half ago. But then, uh, I, so I was overseeing marriage and all this stuff, just stuff having to do with adults. Well, as of June second, I would have been elevated to the status of DRE. Basically, <laughs> I am in charge of womb to tomb faith formation. Infant baptism, RCIA, um, first sacraments for communion and confession, like all, the whole kit and caboodle. And and, and stables, yeah. right? Don't you take care of the horse stables? I take care of the horses. I, I just, I'm just in charge of shoeing. <laughs> shoeing the horses. <sighs> but uh, but that's mostly just an excuse to go drink and play horseshoes. But the at its core, I now went from two employees to like 12 part-time and full-time. Yeah. And I am scared. Yeah. So what do I do, Dave? What do I do? Well, well, I'm not. I'm not amazing at this at all. Like, but, uh, but I do want to. I I think like we kind of talked about, um, you know, the 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 theme for this episode being like how to hire and train employees that will change the world. Like, because yeah, and you know, one of the reasons why I kind of said this to Gomer is. I know we've we've done this in the past. We've talked about hiring, you know, good employees and how to be good employees for the church. But like I in the last year, I've I've heard a lot of horror stories of hirings that went wrong. And I just think, you know, we're at a time in our parish, in our parishes where we need to be firing on all cylinders. Like we need to be hiring the best we can get and people who are leveraged entirely for the sake of the gospel. And I, I and I want to give a few tips on how to do that, you know, and how to train and specifically how to be really deliberate with employees, you know, about this kind of stuff. Yeah. And I'll say for the first time in my life, I've had to hire people and I realized I was terrible at it. Um, I'm still terrible at it. it. It is a difficult process to get. The only thing I know is what I want to see at the end. It's the middle part that really drives me insane. So I'm going to be taking more notes than uh, contributing to this. Uh, well, he said lying. <laughs> well, one of the things is, uh, you know, recently, um, you know, in the past, I have um, helped priests hire a lot of employees. Like I've hired a lot of Catholic Church employees for other parishes. And usually what it was is, you know, a priest calls me and says, hey, how do I get one of you? You know, like, you know, at my parish, like. Do you have any friends who could who could come over and interview for me? And I and I might just say to that priest, like, hey, I'd I'd really like to help you find someone. I don't have the time as much, but you know, maybe we could work out something, you know, for uh, some compensation. I I'd be happy to find this person for you. And 
you know, going from the beginning to the end, I, I kind of want to give the process that I normally look, even just the practicals of where to look, you know, for these employees, because I think a lot of people just immediately go to the diocesan pool. Um, and I know that that often is diocesan policy, right? That usually what they want you to do is have DREs, youth ministers hired through the dio- diocese in a lot of places. Now, I'm not telling you to break their rules, but break their rules, okay? Uh, what I would do is I normally go to more low-hanging fruit, and I do post a job like on Catholic Jobs. I might post a job on the diocesan website, but not usually. I also will actively contact organizations like Net Ministries, St. Paul's Outreach, Focus Ministries. Um, I will also, uh, I usually often call professors at Franciscan University and say, who do you have graduating this year that might be good or in the last few years that you think I might be able to contact? If it's a really like plum job, uh, then I might say like, who, who in the last five years would you be, in, you know, who could I pirate basically <laughs> looking for this or who might be out there looking for a job at that time? But I, I put it out there with a wide berth. You know, I want to have like about 30 candidates to look at, which is not easy. It's not easy, but, but you can do it if you, if you do the work at the beginning and, uh, is, what, what, where did you, where did you advertise your job? <sighs> okay. So, uh, life team and their summer. So I was okay, hiring that's another two one. youth I would ministers. definitely do life team. Yeah. So I went to life team. I also went, uh, and friends who are, or staff workers who are a part of life team, former missionaries, Facebook group. Okay. And I had them post the job there. It was on our website. About one fifth of the people actually just found it on our website. Um, I posted it, uh, I did a boosted post on catholicjobs.com. Okay. Then I set up and I feel really weird about this because I'm just inundated with emails from this (laughs) group. Handshake. Have you heard of Handshake? No, I've never heard of it in my life. Handshake is a new software application platform that enables colleges to work with employers. So you set up a employer college relationship and you can write up a job description and funnel it to them. And it's like an electronic job board, but they have to specifically approve you. Huh? So within, uh, and I did this because St. Thomas University, University of St. Thomas down here in uh, Houston, Bishop Barron just did their commencement. Uh, I was told by a lot of people, hey, don't skip, don't just be a Franny lover and skip uh, all these other great Catholic schools. Well, it turns out there's like 50 Catholic schools that are actively using uh, handshake. So um, I put it on there and St. Thomas being the first one listed the job with them. I put it. So I got connected to about 30 Catholic schools accepted it. It's funny. All the state schools accepted me as an employer and I got rejected by Catholic universities. That's funny. Well, one was like, we've never accepted a thing at a parish before. And I was like, okay, well, this is how much we pay. And this was the job. And they're like, oh gosh, that that's what it takes for a parish. That's awesome. Well, I guess when you post it, no, we don't do parishes. <laughs> like, why not? You have a religious studies program. Yeah. So that was the th- so catholicjobs.com. They have like two different tiers where you can post it. And I, I spent the most money to get it on the landing page, all that stuff. And that's where I derived the majority of my leads. I also went to other Catholic colleges like Franciscan and reached out to their uh, professors and yeah. sent them, you know, whoever's in charge of the job board. Uh, usually it's a dean of students or a particular professor in a theology department um, and sent them the resumes directly. So so that brings up a good point here, okay? That brings up a good point and that I see a lot of mistakes that priests make and people like you make, okay? Uh, and yes, that please. is this. Okay, here we go. 
if you have a connection, like a professor that you know who recommends it, don't that cannot be the only criteria you have for hiring. I, I promise you it's not a good idea. So for instance, you might say, like for, for me, like if if you were to say to me, Dave, you need to hire this person, I would be like, okay, I'm gonna hire this person. And I think that knowing you well enough that I could say, like, yeah, absolutely. If Gomer's recommending them, then I'm I'm good to go. But a professor has an entirely different relationship to a person than an employer. So you yes. have to be very careful about that. You know, I would also say the same thing with affiliations. So, for instance, um, uh, there was one priest who said, yeah, I'd really love to pay you to do my interviews for me, my preliminary interviews. I only want ex-focused missionaries. And and I that's fine. I have no issue with that. I think you can get a fantastic group of people from ex-focused missionaries. Right. But his affiliation was he loved Focus so much, and so he just thought, look, anyone who's going to be part of Focus is going to be great. Focus is a huge national, maybe even multinational organization. I don't know if they're outside of America or not. Yeah. But but you're talking about thousands of people. Uh, there's bound to be people who aren't going to fit the job description. So be careful about just taking one affiliation or one person saying it. You want to have a comprehensive process in all this, okay? Here's my okay. next tip. Here's my next tip. If it's a pastor or if it's a director like Omer, the business person or HR person at your parish should only be there to keep you legal, right? He should only he or she should only be there to make sure you don't do anything illegal in the questioning, right? For instance, I mean there's there there are, you know, just federal laws and things like that. A lot of pastors, a lot of directors just leave it up completely entirely to their business manager or HR manager. And that is a big mistake because I, what I've learned, and this is a major issue in my life, is I, I'm very good at vision. I am horrible, horrible at communicating my vision to other people. And so when I am in a room and I think I've communicated it to them, there could be 20 people. They walk away with 20 different ideas of what we're supposed to do because I'm just <laughs> not good at communicating with them. So don't expect your business manager or your HR manager to get it. The other thing is, and, and I'm not criticizing, I don't want you know 100 HR managers or business managers to, to write in and say that I'm, you know, that I sold them short, but there's a personality to that job. And oftentimes it's not a mission personality. There, there, you know, a lot, oftentimes that's the case. Well, we're hiring for mission. We want employees that are going to change the world. So in your process, were you doing all the interviewing? Yes. Okay. So no one else interviewed. The pastor didn't no have to. No one okay. else. Oh, correct. Well, he, I sent him the, the candidates that I felt like were. So I had a committee. Yeah. I had okay. a committee of okay. people who I, I'm good with vision. Yeah. Um, I'm terrible with details. So what I did was everyone submitted their resume. Okay. Uh, I plowed through the resume. I sent it out to the committee. The committee gave me their feedback and then I set up a 30 minute zoom call. And then from that 30 minute zoom call, I had, I had eight zoom calls a day for three, three days in a row. And then within that, I asked the questions that came from the committee. Yeah. Right. Like, Hey, here's a pro tip. If you're wanting to get a church job. If you have misspellings and bad grammar on your resume, I will not take you seriously as a human person. Okay. Because Good. Yeah. if that is if that is your best foot forward right. and you didn't spell check, right? Like good lord, like you're and I will tell you, the committee 
uh, that I I put together, and, and it's all people who will be doing the ministry. So these are ministry mindset people yeah. who I think are who I ask personally to be on the committee. These are the type of people that that would say not be like, gosh, if they don't care that much, right? If they don't care, if they don't care to get their grammar correctly on uh on bullet points right. in their resume, then why would they care about the details working with core members or teens or whatever? So um yeah, so that was that was a really big thing for me. And I am blessed with our you said HR department. For us, we call that the parish admin uh admissions yeah. or excuse me, administration. Yeah. And that's a former youth minister. Who well, used that's to be my good. boss and used right. to be my youth minister. So she also has that ministry mindset. So. Right. But that's yeah. not always the case. I think one of the mistakes oh, yeah. we make oh, yeah. is you we mistake Catholic uh, church employment for discipleship. And that, yes. that's not always the case. So we have to be careful there. Secondly, about that process, you know, that Gomer just mentioned, you know, this, or, no, I guess we're on third or fourthly here, but we're on uh, fourth. Fourth. Okay. I would be very, very clear about what you expect out of this interview process. And I would make it much more rigorous than the job. Okay. So for instance, I have never been impressed by what they wear to the interviews. Not ever once in my life have I hired a youth minister where I've been like, Oh, you, you decided to actually get dressed like, a you know, like, like to, to wear a suit or something like that. And I would make sure that you make that process rigorous and that you spell it out and say, I want you to dress professionally for the interview in person. Um, and he- here's why. You you do want to know that they're going to wear things like that to confirmation. You want to know that they're going to wear things like that to uh, meetings with parents and things like that. If that's your your dress code, if those are the things that you, you care about. And I would suggest that you make it more rigorous in the interview than it's going to be in the job. Okay. Um, because I, I just think I, I've, I'm learning from all mistakes I've seen made in the past here. Okay. Here's my next tip. Okay. So I guess we're on number five. Wait, let me, let me give you some feedback from mine. Uh, because all of my interviews were done via zoom. Oh, I had, okay, right. I had people who, you know, all over the country, right. Who are just wearing their graphic tee. Yeah. Right. You know, whatever. And the people who made it to the next round, all of them were dressed nicely yeah could speak effectively right and um responded really really well to my questions but uh my favorite was there was only one guy though who wore a suit coat you know he had a he had a button up shirt and a suit coat didn't have a tie yeah. every time every time we talked even if it was like hey let me i just need to yeah. you know there's some little thing here suit coat comes on i love it laptops on his lap i'm sure he's wearing you know board shorts or right. something yeah, right, but right, right. you know and um and it was super interesting because again, this is like your first foot forward, right? Like you want to make sure that first step is is the best one, right? And to not have that, you're like, okay, well, this person doesn't understand serious and not serious, right? Well, they can, don't understand how to distinguish. Yeah, and can I tell you what we're looking for here? I, I you might you might think that we're sounding a little bit harsh, but what we're looking for is you want to weed out people who are going into church work because of the casual the the casualness of it. Like you don't yeah. want someone like that. You want someone who's going to come in and say, I'm going to change your parish and then I'm going to change the diocese and then I'm going to change the whole world. Like that's the kind of person you want, you know? And if they, if they're coming in saying like, yeah, parish work is great. I mean, you get summers off or, or, or something like that, or 
you know, you get to make your own schedule. That's probably not the best person, you know, that you're looking for. Okay. Yeah. All right. I like that. Here, here's number five, I think, that we're on. And this is the most important part of this. Okay. If you are hiring someone who is not right out of college, okay, which I recommend because it's hard now. It's hard to, you know, if you're hiring for a very serious position, you should have someone with experience. Okay. If you are hiring someone, make sure that their references are from every single job on their resume. I want them to provide a reference from every single job. And what I would say to them is, listen, I understand there can be interpersonal issues. There can be problems there. So don't worry if you have a boss that you didn't get along with, but I want a reference from every single job on your resume. Because what happens is, like for me, imagine, imagine what it's like when I apply for a job, okay? I would ask someone like, Jim Beckman for a reference, Father Dave Pavanka for a reference. I'd ask, I don't know who, some other famous Catholic, I have no idea, but somebody like that, someone like you and a priest would be like, oh my gosh, this guy's getting recommended by, you know, Jim Beckman by go Michael Gormley by Father Dave Pavanka. I'm just going to take him. Well, I, I could have three other jobs where I had I didn't show up for work. I was unprofessional. I had all those things. And I've seen this happen a bunch of times where we we put our best foot forward and the the second foot is in a bad place. And so you want to make sure that you know exactly why, you know, a person left, why a person was let go. You want to make sure that you know a, a very good part of their their job history to to make this, you know, it, it's hard because you know, we're not cutthroat in the church. So when you hire someone, particularly right. if they have a family, you're not going to fire them three months later, you know, or or three weeks later or something like that. You're kind of stuck with them for a while. So I think that's a really important part. Unless you live in Texas at a <laughs> work at will. Yeah, state. work at will. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. but even, but, even um, churches, I, I mean, churches aren't going to do that, you know, unless unless you have somebody cutthroat or something like that. Unless you're at my church. <laughs> Yikes. Yikes. Uh so one of the big things from this is I had people list references. And again, I'm new to this entire hiring process. Yeah. But I had people list references. And and folks, you need to follow up with your references because I would say half of the people whose references I contacted. So these are people who made it to the second or third round told me directly, do not hire this person. Yep. Yep. Okay. So, yeah. you know, when, so when you can, <laughs> right, you got to get past the celebrities, but then, but what that tells me is not just like, okay, maybe they had a falling out with some, it tells me that they didn't, they don't know where they stand at their previous right. job. Right. And that's a scary thing when you have employees who don't realize like, oh no, they actually did not think I was a good employee and I put them on here. You know, I, I don't know. I like that, that, that was fascinating to me because i would only list employees or uh, references who would do nothing but shower me with praise and you know but right. they, i mean like literally half of the candidates had at least one of three references say oh do not hire this person yeah yeah so. that's well so that's really interesting and also just you know we're doing this for employers but for employees sake please i mean know know who you're putting on that list you know actually ask the people it's funny like i have past employees Bosses will call me and they didn't ask me if they can put me on the list. I never, ever, ever answer my phone. So like three weeks later, you know, some guy from, you know, that I worked for me five years ago say, Dave, you know, my family and I are waiting on this job offer. They're just waiting to see if, 
if you give me the 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 yes and it's like i didn't even know i was on your your list here so so yeah i i think that's that i i really do think that that is so important here's another thing that i do yeah and, hey real quick let me let me clarify yeah. real quick for the sake of our like the the people whose references i called that said do not hire I shouldn't say that they said do not hire because that that's a right. little strong. Right. What they actually said was here's uh, here's some issues that you need to think about. Yeah. Right. And so I would ask like, OK, so tell me like this is the type of person. This is the type like, like for instance, we have three hundred and fifty freshmen in our high school youth group. And for the first time in the history of our parish, I am breaking the youth group in half. I'm taking the freshmen over here and I'm calling it year one. And then I'm having everyone else go over there. Right. Right. And I said, do you think this person has the logistical administrative skills to manage, you know, 35 adult core members command a large group gathering of 350 freshmen? Right. Right. That's a beast. Right. At the same time, have the skills to run a small group, to have one on one you know, to to be funny and engaging. Can they do those? Because that's a wide swath of stuff. Yeah, right. It's a lot and of different I would skill have people, sets. Right. And so it was, so I asked very direct questions to the references and they would say things like, uh, well, I can't say as to whether or not, you know, because there's all the legalities of like sure. trying to shoot right. down something, but they yeah. would just say, you know, I had issues with them with learning how to disconnect from like, to stop making teens' problems their problems. Right. I had issues with their theology sucked. <laughs> you know, like yeah. they 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 don't know how to articulate theology really really well. So when you try to make it simple, it just sounds stupid, right? Yeah. Like all stuff like that. So yeah, they didn't just say do not hire this person. And so but, so yeah. what I would so if so if Gomer had hired me, then I would have said to that person, I would have said, can you tell me about a time when they did this? And usually the answer will be something like this. They'll say. No, we don't have that kind of program, but I know they could do it because they were really good. And they'll give you another yeah. example of something like that. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So I, I would definitely do that. Here's another thing I would do with regards to references. Okay. This is going to sound sneaky, but it, I just, I want good church employees. And, and to be honest with you, I hope, I hope everyone understands. I, I love the people that I've worked with and I love church employees. And I think that they've, They've done such a good job with what they've been given and how they've been hired, but we have a crisis of church employment. Like we have been hiring people not based on mission for a lot of years. So I want you to hire the best people. And so with regards to references, I usually try to find one to two references that aren't on their list. It's a small Catholic world out there and you can find out about, about people pretty easily, you know? So I'll usually, if they put something on their list, like, like it's say it's three pastors. There's a good chance at one of those three parishes I know an employee there, and I might call that employee and say, "Hey, what was it like working with this person?" You know, and and I always make it very clear to these people, your your opinion of this person is not going to be the decision maker. I'm just trying to get a lot of information here. Yeah. Okay. Number six, are we on? I think. Yeah that that was number six, but and I'm going to say the reason why what you just said matters so much. Because they have to be a good cultural fit for right. your parents. Exactly. So so if I'm in charge of a department, like let's say I'm a DRE, and my whole focus is I want to build, you know, let's take the buzzword, missionary disciples, yeah. intentional disciples. Right. That's what I want. I need to know 
that they are spiritual people, right. that they are praying people. Yeah. I need to know that they understand what we mean when we say the new evangelization. Yeah. I need to know that they that they have a zeal for souls, right. and it's not just a jobby job, right. right? This is an apostolate. It's not just a jobby job. It's done within the context of a jobby job and all the you know uh, right. OSHA policies and everything that kind of comes with it. Yeah. But within that, like, and and then you have not just the missionary aspect, but then like, are they fun people? Yeah. Are they? Are they? A, and I'll tell you. Are I'll they tell morning you. people? Are they grumpy? <laughs> yeah. are they? I, I have not hired two candidates. I didn't bump them from the first to the second level because humor. They they were completely devoid of humor. Right. Completely devoid of humor. And I had a candidate that I thought is absolutely hilarious. Who maybe would be under qualified on paper bounce to the next level because i'm like well they would be a good fit for our organization yeah right sure you know whereas you know you can get someone who looks good on paper but doesn't have the personality you can look at someone who has the personality but maybe doesn't look good on paper and you got to be able to understand that and dave's dave's idea is a really good so, one so the, behold the power of facebook behold the power yeah, of instagram right you can find people yeah. every every employee that i hired uh, or not hired because i haven't hired anyone yet but every employee that i've gone through in the interview, every candidate, let me put it that way, uh, I've done tons of social media background. Yeah, stuff. right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. And let me tell you, you know, because Gomer like kind of flashed something about culture. I, for instance, when I go into a parish, I literally say to a priest, Father, I, I got to just tell you something. I am not a cultural fit for most parishes. Like I have two children with disabilities. We have a lot of medical issues in our family. I, if you are expecting someone to be there nine to five with you, I am not that person. I travel yeah. constantly to speak. I said, I always say, I will get the job done for you. And I always say, I'm also a little bit of a bull sometimes. You know, when I have a vision, I am ruthless about that vision and I want to get it done. And, you know, I just, you really have to buy into me to, to make it wor worth your time for me as an employee. And a lot of priests will just say, yeah, I don't think that's going to work. In fact, in my last position, when a new pastor came in, I just said, look, Father, a priest has to really buy into what I'm offering a parish to put up with me as an employee. And he's like, yeah, I don't think I do. And I was like, that's great. Let's let's move on. Let's move on with this. Yeah, so that's yeah. smart. Okay, the next thing is um, before... Number seven. Yeah, number seven. The, before the... Um, you know, when I give talks, when I count, it just means I'm moving on to the next one. It's never in a row. <laughs> I never, ever count sequentially. Um before the actual in-person interview, or I guess in Gomer's case, it was a, a Skype or Zoom interview, uh, I would set out very clear parameters about compensation. Uh, and I think this is more important now than ever. And I would I would include in that compensation um, a trial period. Okay, So for instance, I would make it hurt a little bit for the first year, but in order that you can really reward them after the first year, because I, I I'm seeing this more and more now that exorbitant salaries right out of college or right at the beginning uh, for a youth minister or a DRE or a director of evangelization, it causes a very, it's a big problem for your job search because you're, you're, you're now going after you're getting people who might be there just for the money. You know, if your salary is rivaling something or your benefits are rivaling something in the secular world, it's very easy, very easy to get 
uh, candidates who are there for that specific reason. And so I would be very clear about what you expect the first year salary to be, what you expect the second year salary to be, but then also the next 10 years so that in one to two, two years, which happens to, I mean, Gomer will tell you, it happens to us all the time that after two years or one year and a half, a youth minister, a DRE, a director of evangelization comes to us, comes to the pastor and says, I, I, you know, I thought I could make it, but my school loans are just too much. I got to have more money right now. And we say, uh, I'm sorry. And then all of a sudden that employee is looking for a new job or a part-time job or something like that. And what they, what happens is we end up starting over in our process. So be very clear up front, very, very clear up front. Mm, that's really, that's really interesting. I would say I, uh, COVID has made me gun shy over like stating outward like yeah. salaries and whatnot. But at the same, I, I remember when I was in the job market, um, I was apply, applying for a Midwestern diocese to run a diocesan office. And it was an office that was not really in my wheelhouse at first. Okay. It was the um, uh, Respect Life Apostolate cool. office. Cool, cool. And, uh, and so I had, I had an interview. They were like, well, your theology, that's great. Um, you're a public speaker. That's a big part of the job, but uh, you know, a lot, all this stuff. And so she said, just give me your philosophy on pro-life work. We ended up having a two and a half hour conversation. The only reason why it ended was my phone battery died on my cell phone. Oh, really? And so it was incredible. Everything was incredible. And then I asked for the salary and it was like $32,000. Yeah. And I said for the, at an archdiocese and they're like yeah yeah and i was like how well you know usually we don't this is not like a career thing for people i'm right. like okay please take me off your list like i can't support my family that way yeah. like i need to it is good to be clear for the candidate's sake like is this a viable job but you're also right you're also right because here's the thing is you don't really know if they're a good fit until they're working yeah right and no, that's, true. One, that's true that's in the hiring process, one of the interesting things that came about was uh, one guy withdrew his application, and I said, "Oh, okay. Why? Why are you withdrawing?" He said, "Doing this made me realize I don't want to do it. You don't do youth ministry anymore." I've had that happen. And I was a like, "Really? Times. Just yeah?" And he's like, "Yeah." J he's like, "Not you guys. Like, if I have to do youth ministry, I would love to work with you, but I don't want to do youth ministry anymore." And I was like, "Well, better you figure that out in the hiring process than six months later when you're miserable and running it into the ground because you're burned out." Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. So, yeah. okay. What's number eight? Yes. Yeah, so have it, have it clear. Um, number eight. Okay. Now we're getting into the actual interview process. Okay. <laughs> we haven't even interviewed the person. Yet. Right. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. Sorry. We're maybe taking a little too long. Um, in the in actual interview process, uh, I would have more than one person in the room. Okay. I would make sure that the person who is most optimistic has a tempered optimism. Like for instance, my, my closest friend who was my pastor for nine years, if you basically just say like, if you're under the age of 40 and you say you love Jesus, like he thinks you're like St. Ignatius of Antioch, you know, like, like he, he, you know, he just loves everybody or something, you know, like that. And I would be the one asking all the hard questions. The hard questions for me are going to revolve around more how they respond and if they're ready. Okay. Uh, I'm going to ask them right away what their testimony is. Like, can you give us a five minute version of their testimony? And that is going to be really important to me because I know any culture of a church that I'm working with, testimony is going to be a big part of that. I'm going to ask them about their prayer life, you know, and I'm going to ask them about the development of their prayer life. How is it, is it developed? Because for instance, if you are trying to change the world through your parish, okay, and a person says, 
you know what? I just started a prayer life like last month and it's been great. I do like 20 minutes a day. That's awesome. And I would loud that person. But for some positions, I want someone who's like a monk. I want a contemplative. You know, I want somebody who's been praying and listening to the Lord for years and years and years. And again, if this sounds judgmental, but what we want is to get the most amount of information we can from a person. Uh, you want to ask them a little bit about uh, community and, you know, what kind of like social structures they're going to have if they move to this place. Okay. Because this is another big thing where we lose employees is they move to a parish, they become really good friends with the pastor and they have no other friends besides that. You know, that's, that's a problem. Okay. Um, in that interview, I'm going to be, uh, maybe even ask them to lead prayer and see what that's like, you know, uh, to start out the interview. Um, and then finally, I, I'm definitely going to ask them to do some kind of an event at the parish that corresponds to their job. So if they're a youth minister, I'm probably going to ask them to lead a life night or something like that. Now with COVID, it's not possible as of recently, yeah. but definitely I'm going to do that uh, if I have the, the possibility of doing it. So, so what we ended up doing was yeah. uh, as as your dog comes, is was it your dog that just came into yeah. the yeah clickety clack clickety clack? Yeah. Um, yeah. No, for COVID, so what I had everyone do um, is record a talk. Ooh, good. And okay. Send it to me. Okay. And I said, listen, this is your iPhone voice memos. You know, you're in a yeah. room by yourself. Right. But here's the scenario: you're talking to a group of high school students, uh, and you get to pick one of these four categories: the Trinity. Yeah. Uh, so I need you to explain the Trinity, not just be like God the Father, anywho, Jesus, right? Like, no, you gotta, you gotta give me the Trinity. Yeah. Um, uh, a topic in moral formation that's difficult that teens need to hear. Oh man, I can't remember the other two. Oh, the uh, breaking down Christian prayer, and there was one other one I can't remember, but they were all like what I think was like complex topics. And I said, and the two things I'm looking for in your topic, on top of however you like to style it, the stories you tell, the whatever it is. You need to give me scripture and the catechism, and they need to roll off your tongue like you read it. Yeah. And I had a lot of people who, uh, like one candidate in particular, who was already a full-time youth minister, had like eight talks already online. So they were like, well, hey, you know, do these work? And one of them was on the Trinity. And I was like, this person knows the, con like, this is what I was looking for. Do you know the concept? Can you make it relatable to the audience that you're at? Does it flow out? Is the theology strong with you? Is the dogma strong with you, right? <laughs> like, can can I hear that you know this internally? You know what I mean? Right. Versus are you just throwing out, here's a handful of quotes that you, like, Googled and some catechism things that you just kind of threw together, right? Like, you can hear that. I need people to be, uh, to use a Thomistic term, like, connatural with scripture <laughs> and <laughs> tradition, not someone who is just cherry picking and, and proof texting. Yeah. And if you need someone who's con natural, that's a good way to weed them out is use that in the, in the request. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I, I couldn't agree more with everything that Gomer just said. I've done several of those where I've had to prepare videos or talks or something like that uh, online. What I would say is uh, the, the next thing is ask them one specific question is, can you tell me about bosses that you liked and that you didn't like and, and try to really get to the heart of what, what was going on there and start to think about, you know, the things you have to start to think about, is this person exciting for a day or is he going to be great for a year? Because 
if if a person says, yeah, well, the boss, he was always on me. Like if I was like five minutes late for work, you really need to think about that, whether or not that's going to bother you a year from now, because, you know, it, 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 these things usually speak to bigger issues here. Finally, okay, before you, you finish the hiring, before you finish this, I would have them agree to a training schedule, uh, a mentorship schedule. And I would have either an employee or the pastor himself agree that the first six months we are going to be regularly meeting once to twice a week and having a mentorship program where I am saying to you, uh, here are the things that I loved and here are the things I didn't like about this, where I'm maybe reading Soul of the Apostolate with them. I might be reading uh, Forming Intentional Disciples with them. And I'm, I'm asking them, you know, pointed questions to make sure that they're reading this and, and it's sinking in. Um, and I would also just uh, make it clear to them that when they've done something wrong, I'm going to say it right to their face and, and everything's going to be fine. Like it's going to be okay. You don't have to cry. It's, it's going to be fine. That's part of just the boss employee uh, relationship dynamic that you have to be able to put up with criticism and see how they, they handle that uh, because that, that could be, a major issue for people. I mean, I've had several, I am not a confrontational person and I also don't think I'm a jerk, but I've had several people cry because I've just brought up things that I said, well, no, I, I wanted you to do this and you did this. And it's just, I, I think they're just kind of, uh, I don't know, soft a little bit as far as those kind of things go. <laughs> you know, they're not used to being criticized. So it's been an issue. Yeah. Criticism is always so hard in church work, I've realized, because everyone leads from their heart, yeah. right? They come from their heart and they are ready to do this from the heart. But, you know, it's that idea of being wise as serpents, but innocent as doves. Like as a manager, you have to lead from your head and you have to keep your mind out for the pitfalls of of the like grace is grace is not magic. Sherry Waddell quoted, yeah. who was it? I think it was Mark Shea or Jimmy Aiken that said that. And, and she has that quote in her book. Um, but uh, that, that is an important quote to, to like realize like when you're doing ministry, grace doesn't replace nature it builds on it. So yeah. if you have someone who's a fly by the seat of their pants kind of person, that's going to really frustrate volunteers, right? Like that, that kind of um, whimsical skipping through the daisies kind of approach it, it it might be awesome when you have last minute decisions that can't be made and have to be made like on the spot. Yeah, that's the type of person you want. But the person in, in planning curriculums for a year for high right, school and right. middle school students, you need a different mindset. Yeah. And uh, so, for instance, one person said, um, I had a really I had a handful of interviewees that stood out to me because of what they asked me in the interview process. Yeah. And I love that yeah. because it shows that they're intellectually engaged. and They're not just looking for a job. Yeah. They're looking for the right job. And so one of the questions was, tell me your process um, of like, how do you expect me to write my first year? Like to plan out the life nights and edge nights and whatever. And I said, okay, this is, and I think I shared this on the show. I was like, you won't, right. you will, we will sit at a table and you will sit on my right hand side and I will plan it all out and you will watch me. Yeah. That way you know exactly what I'm looking for because right. I know my community. I know my people. Well, and then next year I'll sit at your right hand side and help you in whatever way I can. Okay, so that's a perfect segue into I just have two more and then I promise what will be done here. The the next one is if if someone's if you're hiring someone right out of college, I, what I would say to them is um I'm going to plan your schedule for the first six months. 
I am going to literally say like, okay, I want this many hours a week spent on this. I want, you could say percentages, hours, whatever you think. And, and they're going to hate it. And I would hate it. And I might even have turned a job down for this, but I know, I know, I know now how important it is because it's just natural inclination to, to spend most time on things that you like the most. And, and it's, you have to teach them to get the things done that, you know, need to be done and give them a schedule right off the bat. Okay. Now the last thing, and and this is just more of a caveat. One of the things you might notice if you're an HR person is that I did not throw any of the tests in there, like the, you know, the personality tests or the, uh, what do you, what do you call them, Gomer? The, um, you know the uh, yeah, like the disc profile, yeah, those kinds of things. Myers Briggs, right? right Myers yeah. Briggs. Here's why uh, I think they can be useful. And like the person who's the guru on hiring Catholic employees is Jim Beckman, right? He's he's hired thousands of employees for dioceses and things like that, and he uses those tests like crazy. I have never once; it's never worked for me. Every single boss who's ever used it for me has said, "Oh, you're so you're this person," and then. Three months in, they're like, oh, that test is totally wrong. You're not that. You're this. On every single time that they've they've done that for me, it's been like, oh, you're you're the opposite of that. Uh so really? I, like what like what test did you take? Uh one of them was the uh the temperaments or something like that. I don't yeah. know. I don't remember. I remember when I remember it came out as that I was a uh like I lay I lay laid back and I listen and I take, you know, take my time and then make a decision. And like within three months, uh, the boss was like, oh, you're a classic producer. Like you, you get uncomfortable if you're not doing like if you're not producing things. And that's totally true. That's 100 percent true for me is that I'm the kind of guy who's like, let's get this plane in the air. We'll build it later. You know, it's like that's definitely <laughs> that's definitely, you know, more my my personality. So whatever happened in that test, it just didn't work. And that's happened three or four times. That's funny. You know, a lot of these tests, the temperaments, uh, they are personality tests um and catholic author well he doesn't author catholic books well i guess he does but a patrick lencioni of the table group came up five dysfunctions of a team a book every parish oh my gosh i love it so much yeah um politics turf silos and turf wars uh all this stuff he wrote a book called the better pastor he helps with amazing parish he came out with this thing called the six types of workers or the the six types of working genius there we go and uh, the six types of working genius, I think he said, this is not a personality test. It's a way, it's a productivity test. Right. It's right. like, this is how you work. Right. Not this is like the ty- the way you view the world. It's right. like, this is how you work. And I found it to be super helpful. Luke uh, for Catching Foxes, that was our previous episode that we came out with because he discovered it and listened to all the podcasts i've now since gone through all the podcasts and double speed but i find it really really helpful and i know one of my coworkers has a gift of discernment which means something different than in the spiritual world but um i i literally you know she's she said to me one of my favorite things about working here is you ask for my input all the time and i never had someone do that right and i said because you see things i cannot see not like i oh i'm not i don't want to look at I can't see this stuff. Right. You do. Right. You have a gift of discernment. You can just like do a gut check like, oh, that doesn't feel right. Or maybe you should do this. You know, and, and I and I miss out on a lot of that. Now, maybe their temperaments come in where it's like they have extra eyes for, you know, compassion and, you know, the the downtrodden. So they're always looking like this one person in particular, always looking to 
make sure we're thanking people and you know doing that stuff that I would just be like, yay, we accomplished a task. Next right. task, please. Right. You know? Yeah, I'm not. I'm definitely not saying not to use them. I think it's just got to be one piece of that puzzle. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, as always, you know, with this stuff, we love to hear your feedback. So if you have other things that you use to, you know, weed out candidates or to like really determine things, we'd love to hear from you. As always, you can email us your questions at eksb at ascensionpress.com. I haven't asked you for a while if you would be so kind as to give us a rating on iTunes. That would be great. We'd love it. If that you, would be huge. That yeah, would be huge. Yeah. After uh, this break from a message from the good people at Ascension Press, I'm going to give you one bonus tip here. One bonus tip. Bonus tip! Two thousand years ago, Jesus Christ chose corrupt, broken, imperfect, sinful men to be the foundation of his church. And because these broken, imperfect men chose to remain in relationship with Jesus, they became saints. And they were used by Jesus to transform hearts and minds two thousand years later. I invite you to check out my book, Broken and Blessed where you'll find practical tools to overcome habitual sin, to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and to walk with an imperfect church toward a perfect God who is calling all of us to perfection over time. To order the paperback book or audiobook, Broken and Blessed, visit ascensionpress.com or Amazon. Welcome back to Every Knee Shall Bow. Good folks, we got a bonus tip from Dave. Here we go. I'm all ears, brah. On so many of my job hunts, what made the decision for me in the end was a movement of the Holy Spirit. And um, I can't tell you how many bosses have said like, well, no, we weren't even really considering you. And then all of a sudden this happened or I went to prayer and God completely changed my mind or you know, all of these kinds of things, literally in one case, you know, which was, I always call it like the, the Camelot years. Cause it was my favorite job with my favorite pastor. He said that like a breeze came into the room when he was like thinking about whether or not he should hire me. And he just knew that it was like the Holy spirit and don't discount that. Right. I mean, when I say that we're trying to hire employees that will change the world, I, I hope you understand. I'm not being, I mean, I'm the most hyperbolic person on earth. That is not hyper, hyperbole. I want employees that are going to change the world, that are going to surrender themselves entirely to Jesus Christ, change your parish, allow God to work through them, change the people around them uh, because of that grace flowing through them that they're surrendering to. And so don't discount the fact that God will use uh, whatever means necessary to tap you on the shoulder and say, this is the person that we want. And so I would just make sure that even though everything I just gave you was practical, Surrender to prayer in the end and, and, and allow God to inform your decision with all this. All righty, folks, this has been what, what, what are we going to call it? Hiring employees that will change the world yeah. with Dave, the HR man, Van Bickle. <laughs> Thanks so much for this walk down HR lane. No, it's the practical stuff is so important. And so many of us in parish life thought, oh, I'm going to do this parish work because this is my passion. This is my apostolate, whatever. And then all of a sudden we find that we're managing employees. Yeah. And then all of a sudden that we find that we have to, you know, go through federal and state and local laws and all of these things 
that the process can be- can become so cumbersome, right? That we don't even know where to look or what to do. I think you gave uh, a good way of keeping it missional in the midst of keeping it uh, legal <laughs> in, in terms of hiring mission-focused folks. So, uh, all right, ladies and gentlemen, we're out. God bless you all. Stay classy. God bless. <laughs>